Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ahoy there, listeners and watchers. Welcome back. This episode is brought to you by Vivo Life. Please use the affiliate link in the bio and use the code HHT10 at checkout, please. Treat yourself to something nice. Do something for your health. Do something for yourself and help me out as well, please. <laughs> Our Just Giving pages for Trek 27 are also... Trek 27, I said it again. Trek 26 are in the bio, so please, if you can donate any small amount, that would be very much appreciated. It's for a great cause. This episode, I'm joined by Gully Trim, a friend we've... we've We've known each other for a couple of years now through Julian and through Meg. And we, we have a great conversation on, we touch on music and Gully's perfect pitch. Oh, what else? It's all so fascinating, the neuroscience behind it. What else do we talk about? We talk about moose. I'll just let you listen to it because it's a brilliant conversation, very insult, insightful. And yes, very much love to you. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Health Home Truths. Pippin's somewhat changed since our last recording. Woof. <laughs> no, no, no. This is my angel, Gully Trim. Hello. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's a pleasure. I'm sort of repping the dark side and the dark arts today. And you've come to bring the light and the love. Yeah, I'm Cuke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Here to talk about the benefits of vitamins and fruits. And... and, and yeah. uh, other such silliness as well. Maybe. Meg, Maybe. dig up yourself. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, so good. Feeling good? Sublime. Feeling pretty swell, feeling pretty swell. So, <laughs> you're a musician, Gary. I am. Can you I describe am. the genre? Uh, it's one of the things that I used to resent doing and now I think... I, I like... It started when I explored like where my music started and I began when I, my music kind of started playing piano in pubs around my hometown in Portsmouth. And a lot of the set was stuff like Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, um, Louis Armstrong, like that. And I realised that that's kind of pretty much informed a lot of my musical composition now. Mm. So um, what I'm styling as is indie soul. And this kind of, um, this dichromatic kind of blend of the old hits that I was used to be tinkling on the Joanna (laughs) (laughs) and, and, you know, the, uh, the old English geezer that I now, uh, proffer myself as on stage and in artistic identity. Yeah, I've got to say, I really like your stage presence. It's like very loosey-goosey. Yeah, yeah. Geezer. I didn't know it was geezerish. I didn't know. Uh, Yeah, you know, I'm not... The geezer, the geezers, yeah, the geezer federation might take issue. That. I'm not. We've heard there's a new geezer in town. <laughs> False geezer reports. <laughs> You're only sixty five percent geezer. You have to be seventy five or above. Your membership was never accepted. Um, sorry, mate. You sent like four applications yeah. every time. They're straight in the shredder. It's just, it's just a fax back. Like, no dice. <laughs> no dice, pal. Try again next time. Yeah, I got to say, I'm probably like forty five percent geezer. Yeah. I can see that in you. 45. It's in the hair. Yeah, it's in the top of my head. It's yeah. Right at the top of my head. Yeah, the heaviest part. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello, governor. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like your stage presence because um, it's just very entertaining. Thank you, man. It's it's, not, it seizes your like personality. Well, that's coming it. Out. It's not like premeditated or anything. Mm. I'm not trying to like... Uh, emulate any performers that I love which could you know be a didactic and like educational experience I suppose but um, just 
enjoying the moment and trying to live as presently, mm. uh, tying into mindfulness, I suppose, in a way. I'm just trying to live ex experientially in this, you know, very temporary but very, like, euphoric kind of situation where I've written and created a piece of art and people, for whatever reason, have um, been enthused enough to stick around and listen to it. Mm. So it's like... You're in flow state, basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think very much that's an example of flow state for me. Um, and it's weird because it's one of the things I wanted to broach a conversation, actually, is that um, I was exploring and thinking about my um, kind of um, relationship with Zen and flow state. And I find, almost in contrast with Eastern spirituality, a lot of the time... I struggle to be present or at one with myself if I'm too relaxed. Uh, if I, and you know this is kind of heresy with things that Charlie's <laughs> been saying on prior uh, episodes, etc. Mm. But I always find that I find it easier to be at what I'd define as a flow state if you know I've had a couple of cups of coffee if I've um if I'm kind of amped up if you're active. Yeah, I sort of know what you mean. If you're there's that difference between being mi completely mindful in a task or mindful in an activity mm. or what you're describing I think is being mindless mm. in some sort of rela relaxation. I'd say yeah and I think it's something that Eckhart Tolle talks about obviously is that mindfulness is slightly a red herring and that in, in essence you're trying to clear your head of thoughts and you know any kind of spiralling negativity mm. or anything like that and I find you know, I don't know if it's cheating and it's contrary to like Buddhist or Hindu teachings. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm like taking the back door onto the astral plane. Like, <laughs> How would you get yeah, in here? The bounce is like, like the geezers. sorry, you're on the list, mate. <laughs> the Giza Federation and the astral. They they uh, outsource their their security yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for the uh, Giza Federation yeah. just because it's cheaper. It is. Yeah. You you don't have to pay dental on the astral plane. No, no, no. they don't really care. They no. just. Oh. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I was interested to hear your take on that. I know you've talked about flow state when you're playing rugby before. Mm. And surely while there's an element of calm and inner tranquility while you're playing and you're collaboratively like working to a common goal with a team, mm. surely there's also a part of you that's very like um, amped up and, um, you know, like catalyzed and kind of, you know, like uh, vitalized by that moment as mm. well. It's not so much... a an absence of feeling or emotion, it's more just the uh, concentration of a specific feeling. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's absence of feeling. I'd say it's like super stimulation, really. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're fully, you can't help but fully experience it all. Mm. Obviously, there's times where you're, you might be anxious on the pitch or you're yeah. performing badly yourself, so you become sure. complacent and you become absolutely not present because you're thinking about what you did earlier. Yeah. But when it's going right and when you're in flow most of the time, mm. it definitely is. It's from all the stimulation. You're taking everything in and you have to act on instinct. I think that's, I think it, it, it becomes a point. Jules mentioned this, so mm. it was interesting. I asked him the different ways he, he would retrieve flow state. And it's either through meticulous practice and execution yeah. or some sort of improvisation at the same time. Is it flow state if it's through meticulous practice or is that more just within the realms of muscle memory and being comfortable? That's, that's what he said. He did say muscle memory. And it's interesting. I guess you you can't really... It's purely speculation from us. Yeah, no, of course. I think... You have to talk to the man. <laughs> he claims it. I'm not going to speak yeah. for him, all right? I'm not going to speak for him. But it's also... <laughs> like you said, when you're, when, you're record, when you're playing live music... Yeah. And you're in that state where you're truly present. It's it is euphoric, and you what? must feel such a rush afterwards, a rush of emotion. Or it's almost it's almost the opposite actually, because you're having such a rush. It's like you're concentrating all of your endorphins and dopamine into this like specific window. Yeah. So actually, afterwards, you often find there's a massive lull and a drop, and. Um, I think uh, I've heard lots of celebrities like um, Heath Ledger used to purport the same after filming a, a scene, for example. And I think that's why a lot of performers and actors struggle and why 
drugs are such an inherent part of the performance industry and mm. entertainment too because you'll get off a stage and you'll have done and you know you've played Wembley to however many thousands of people Wembley. and you'll be like oh bloody hell <laughs> and you'll have some manager or some guy backstage and here take this this will pick you up mm. and I imagine you know again this is all suppositional but one fears that that's a you know um, they're often you know um, hand in hand kind of uh, phenomena that the the lull that you have after exerting yourself you, you do you not feel the same after rugby to a degree or is it you know I suppose a celebration it, if you win and it's somewhat I I'd say there's a general like, buzz you get you sometimes can't definitively for me. say after like a gig like I suppose there's less of like a tangible result mm. like. That gig was oh, a I win. Won. <laughs> I won that gig. Yeah. I know what you're saying, though, because you get to such a high and such stimulation. Afterwards, in contrast, everything would pale. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Whereas rugby is different because, like, say if you do get the dub, hey, the dub. A couple of geezers watching. And it's a tea, obviously, you play with a band, and like maybe you're like, that, that was good, yeah, yeah, and you're all buzzing together. But with rugby, it's like everyone lift each other up and like, Mm. Obviously, it always depends, though. It does always depend. But I know what you mean. You, I get a feeling of... There's a definite feeling of calm. And yeah. Maybe lower stimulation, obviously. But no, it's interesting. I was going to ask... You know, you're, with your creative process, mm. does it come from... I, I heard this the other day, you know, um, where does inspiration come from? Where does any any creation come from? Is it from allowing yourself to accept something and being open enough to allow anything to come in, mm. just from wherever it is, the universal yeah. uh, intelligence? Or yeah. does it come from Collective practice? subconscious. That's the one. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. What is your process with it? How do you define it? Well, firstly, very personal question. I <laughs> don't like to explore I don't like to explore it too deeply no. in case you know that it's like looking for the trick in a magic show. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Some somewhat takes away from the, the luxury of it all. But um, yeah. I like to, you know, romanticize it and talk. Uh, it's one of my favorite Nietzsche quotes from his book. Um, Thus spoke uh, Zarathustra, and he says, um, oh, "I'm going to butcher it." But it's, <laughs> it's talking about chaos. We're all about we're all about butchering quotes. In this yeah, pod. we are. The, the number one butchering vegan podcast. <laughs> um, and we ain't talking meats. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's, it, talking about, it kind of ties into chaos theory and that you must allow chaos into your life to give birth to a dancing star. The dancing mm. star being uh, Nietzsche's like, metaphor for like pure creativity and art. And so um, I like this idea. Jim Carrey's talked about it as well as this like other dimension where sometimes he just feels he's channeling something and he can't ever mimic it or emulate it and he doesn't know where it's coming from but I, lo I love that concept of you know just as you say just allowing yourself almost to be like a conduit for another spectrum of energy or something that's interesting you mentioned Jim Carrey when you talk have you seen Jim and Andy I haven't. That no. documentary. Oh my gosh. Did we get a little bit through it? Yeah. In Scotland and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all had to turn it off. And I was sort of like, oh, I really want to watch this. Were you being pesky? It's basically a documentary about him <laughs> playing Andy. Something. Like, the, it was a stand up comedian. Give he was a, a huge character. Oh, okay. Um, and basically, Jim Carrey was hired to play him in a role, and Jim Carrey went full method. Or it wasn't even method. He went. He became. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He became Andy. Mm. And Andy Kaufman. 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 Uh, I can't read. We know this. He gets interviewed. He's like, I wasn't there anymore. I was absolutely. I was absolutely Andy. Like, sure. Even Andy's parents came onto the set, and, and he would still he, be him. He really yeah. pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, he yeah, pissed that, a lot of people. You can see that would be yeah. a bit much. <laughs> Yeah, which I find interesting. Guys, I'm not dead. <laughs> no, because, yeah, he does yeah. die at the end of the film. Yeah. Like. So, um, spoiler. No, what were you going to say? I said spoiler. Spoiler. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. The front of the car. We're a spoiler <laughs> podcast and we butcher quotes. Yeah. We do spoil everything, but it's okay. 
but that, the geezers just pricked up their ears like spoilers. Oh, <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah, add five percent to the application. Yeah. <laughs> Gary's a mechanic. <laughs> he knows his spoilers. He knows his way around a spoiler. That man. Yeah, um, no, I understand. It's very personal, but I do. I have heard you're very much. I mean, you showed us, shown us um, early versions of certain songs. Yes. Where it's, yeah. What What's your do you feel like you're exploring all the options with it? Yeah, very much. So the uh, what I referred to before was the initial like conception of the you know the like making love beginning of the process where I'll sit down at a piano. Oh, sorry, <laughs> okay, very impassioned. <laughs> sit down at a piano or with a guitar or even like I've got millions of voice memos on my phone being like, boochka, boochka. <laughs> this is cool, <laughs> <laughs> and um. Just that initial kind of spark plug moment is what I was referring to with the uh, out-of-body-esque experience. Mm. Um, don't want to try and delineate it too much. After that, it becomes a lot more laborious and um, it's pretty much like throwing a lot of dung at a wall. And oh, that's seeing... our favourite saying. We love saying that. Know. You can't say, you can't say you can ish, swear. can you? Oh, can you? Yeah, you can yeah. swear. Oh, sweet. From the top. I was about to like... I was for long going to say, like, fudge earlier. <laughs> fudge. I don't know. Can you say oh, fudge? Can you say fudge? <laughs> no, we're an anti-fudge podcast. Oh, anti-fudge, yeah. Absolutely yeah. no fudge. No fudge. No, we love it. that saying. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no <Wow>. fudge? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of the favourite things that you keep coming back to. You keep creating, keep throwing enough mm. shit against the wall. And that does just derive from my lack of ability and acumen as a producer at the end of the day. And where I work in collaboratively with someone that was able to share the initial vision and see perhaps where the song was going and what I was hearing in my head, but had better kind of nows at translating that from mm. cerebral like blueprint to what you then hear and it's record on the desk. fascinating though that you've got that just you have that within you, and it's sort of like you're outsourcing the. I don't know what yeah, but it's kind of useless having it in you if you can't. I don't think so. You're it. doing all right. No, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to ask. I've heard your perfect pitch. Yeah. How did you discover that? So I'm. Um, I as mentioned prior, I'm from Portsmouth initially, which is like a historic naval town. Loads of histories of like sailors, etc., in the south of England, and. Um, so it literally started with stuff like foghorns and like stuff like car alarms, just innocuous like miscellaneous sounds. And like when I was like four or five, maybe younger, I'd like run to the piano and play the note, and my family would be like, "Wait a hot minute!" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And then I was very fortunate when I went to school. I studied trumpet was my first instrument, and um, that kind of characterized itself. The perfect pitch kind of. Uh, wove itself into that because I really enjoyed stuff like improvisation and so um, more so ever than like reading like sheet music or like anything classical I'd really just my favorite exercise like playing trumpet which is obviously like a monophonic instrument you can't play chords or anything Mm. so it's just the top line I love just having like a song playing and just like jamming along to it sort of like jazz yeah yeah jazzy approach to um to yeah just melody writing but um then i went into a choir finally when i was about 12 or 13 and the choir master was like dude you got this thing and like one in ten thousand people have it i was like yeah whatever and then you know no one else in choir had it and it turned out that i was really good at like pitching notes and you know, my band will like dispute that now because they've heard me be like hung over in practice one day being like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, just, um, I actually know more about it since studying at uni and I wrote about it for my dissertation, which I've always been really interested in neuroscience and so I wanted to kind of pair the two and uh, learn more about the condition that I have too. So, um, condition, that, condition, <laughs> yeah. Oh, a curse. <laughs> <laughs> my you went to, just um, my cross the bear. <laughs> but, um, you went to Buff Spa, right? I did, yeah. So, t- wait, tell me more about that, um, the dissertation. What, how did you tie them together? Well, it was just, um, they go super free reign. It was 12,000 words of 
whatever you want really just make it vaguely acoustic musical centric and i'm just for anyone that doesn't know perfect pitch is the phenomenon where someone is born with the ability to innately decipher harmony or pitch or notes so if you know it's an f sharp for example um very cool it I mean, slightly dull. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's too full. Yeah, you walks need, into a you room need to practice dull. your bottles, mate. Something slightly was... dull here. Yeah. Get him out. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm deciphering from that is that you're really shit at the bottle. Um, you said practice cut. <laughs> also, you're fucking boring. <laughs> Maybe you're more a mug guy. I don't know. From, but, um, so, yeah. So, um, stuff like... Uh, Playing along to songs, for example, becomes quite easy because you know what key the song is in. Stuff like that. With, and, with like, jamming with someone. Yeah. It's easy to slip in. Exactly, exactly. Um, Slipping out. If I'm Without like, anyone knowing. <laughs> yeah, oh, Dennis Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the gully system. Get, get, get in time with the song. Understand the harmony. Love Le- it. Love it. Leave. Leave. Why? Why did he? Why did he go? Well, why? why did you go? We loved it. There you go. We'll have that here. Yeah, yeah. I'll write it. Don't worry. It'll be cute. <laughs> the gully system. Um. So yeah. Uh, upon studying it, it turns out that it's really fascinating. Um, it is like um genetically predisposed. So, they they've isolated like an RS gene, like a DNA strand that exemplifies prevalence of perfect pitch. But then there's also it's like a, like a you know casting a spell at moonlight on you know January first or whatever. There's a load of preconditions. So during your cognitive development around ages like two to six, um, there's parts of neurogenesis that are happening in um, your Broca center, for example, or your Wernicke's area, which are like language centers of the brain, because that's the time where you're starting to like get a feel for your like mother tongue and start you know grasping language at a more complex level and so during that time you also have to be exposed to tonality um to like activate the perfect pitch so people could have the gene present but if they didn't like listen to music when they were younger for example they might you know it might sit dormantly too and um, then there's further studies that I did personally for the dissertation, which was like correlations between uh, multi-tonal languages like Mandarin, where you pitch a note to change its meaning. You have like ma or ma, like raising it at the end could mean like mother or horse, for example. <laughs> and because of that, um, because of the tonality innate in the language itself, there's higher concentrations of people with perfect pitch in multi-tonal language speaking countries because they're, you know, the gene isn't going uh, unnoticed, you know, it's being... It's exposed through everyday just, chat. Just through chat, yeah. Oh, fascinating. It's like an X-Men, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's more perfect pitch in China, for example, or Malaysia. That's really cool. Which is super fun. So what age was that, sorry? I couldn't... I I, I think I cited two to six. I think it's probably earlier. I think yeah. it starts uh, a lot earlier. But, um, yeah, just during the... Um, your, when your auditory nerves and the I think it's particularly exemplified in the language centers so Broca's area and Wernicke's area in your brain uh, when they start properly developing mm. yeah so you were you exposed to a lot of music yeah as a kid? yeah my mum always says now like you owe me so much because I, <laughs> I I used to sing to my belly and stuff I was like yeah. one that's a bit mental like too early as well yeah, so. yeah literally yeah, yeah Kate told me all about that. Gun people look to you weird on the bus for no reason <laughs> you embarrassed us <laughs> you in you in there like oh, I'm stuck <laughs> mom you're flat I'm so <laughs> not very good mind dull <laughs> fucking dull <laughs> yeah So you were exposed to a lot of music as a kid. Yeah. And did you pick it up really early? Was it always something you were interested in and wanted to pursue? Yeah, yeah. From like a really young age, I'd just be singing or like banging pots around the house. Um, 
uh, when I was born, my parents were still running a restaurant called The Seagull in Portsmouth. It was like a fish seafood restaurant. And because of that, they hadn't given me a name for like, I think it was like three weeks even after birth. <laughs> and they just didn't know what to call me. And I was, you know, uh, I think it was like a potato box or something. I was just like chilling in the kitchen, like mooching around. My mum was the chef and my dad was the maitre d', the front of house. And often the clientele who were like quite invested, my parents were like names about town, people often like locals would flock to the restaurant. would be like, oh, how's the boy? And so I'd be brought out in this uh, potato box to like the adoration of the customers. And I'd like, apparently I was really performative and loved like singing and like, hello to people. I can imagine you were so yeah. cute as a little mucker. And they like uh, postulate that that was the like birthing of my possibly pathological need to perform and like yeah. try and entertain and please people via the medium of art but um regardless during that time I gained the moniker they started just calling me the gull baby due to the seagull mm. and then gully kind of stemmed from that so um that's also the quick tale behind my name but um yeah apparently I was always just banging pots in the kitchen just um loved loved the uh you know, before I even understood the terms or the vernacular, I just mm. loved uh, banging. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ba- baby be banging. <laughs> you just like mucking around, making yeah. noise. Yeah, racket. That's interesting. And you, you got, so early on, you just you felt such a reward from performing. Yeah, so very early on, they um, bought this old banged up upright piano. And, you know, it wasn't even chopsticks at that time. It was just... <laughs> mm. But, um, you know, that, yeah, it just uh, all seemed to happen quite seamlessly. And I still say to this day, you know, um, if ever there's awkward, like, conversations at a house party or with distant relatives where, like, oh, you you know, you're quite articulate, you could be a writer. And I just think, I, I don't think there's anything else I can do no. <laughs> that well, unfortunately. <laughs> it's kind of the cards I was dealt. And yeah. I've made peace with that, and it's fine. But um, no, I just, I love music and I love writing and so far to whatever degree, and it's the metric I try and live by as well. I think it's better to write songs for for love over money or mm. women or mm. whatever your motive. So far, people have responded vaguely positively to... Oh, I think it's Oh, it's more than positive. vague. <laughs> <laughs> your music does just resonate love. It does. I, I remember nice when we went to see at... Mr. Wolf's in Bristol, me and Harry. Yes. And oh, we I, I was pretty. I was uh, privileged to perform to Rory, uh, Meg, and the younger, very talented artist, Sister Harriet. Mm. And uh, we were just. No, I truly mean that. It just. Thank you, man. When you have a true feeling of something within you, and it's just, yeah, it's amazing. And um, what you're saying, sort of about finding that purpose, mm. you don't really want to do anything else at that point. No, I, I enjoy um, other particularly artistic ideals like writing. But uh, that making that a job, sort of, would that take any enjoyment out of it for you? Do you know what I mean? Uh, or making that, it changes? I don't think so, because again, if you're living by that metric and that standard of wanting to, just wanting to touch people and inspire love and hope and positivity or whatever it is, mm. even if it's helping people contextualise bad feelings, if you know, someone's feeling angry and I offer them catharsis or depressed or whatever, at whatever end of the emotional spectrum, I just hope to help people and offer them some sort of sonic sanctuary. <laughs> sonic, and so, sonic sanctuary? A respite from, yeah. from life. Because general. of that, I don't think, I think, as you say, if it became a full-time job, if I attained enough financial success to be able to define it as such mm. i'd characterize that more as just i'd see it as a side effect being able to touch more people and mm. having having a greater audience to try and um enchant as opposed to you know making more money off it the money's just a byproduct yeah yeah that's mm. not what you're doing it for no i love that i feel like that just makes it more authentic and you're never sort of sell out you can always make more money you You could do anything you could have been a bricklayer for seven years yeah even so you could make a million off your first album and think oh for the next one i should try and make two yeah or five and i think if you set your 
if you set your GPS, if you set your coordinates to measure the quality or not even measure the quality, but aspire for love and those um, that reception within an audience as as your, you know, end goal, I, you know, it's not really quantifiable in the same way. Mm. You don't you don't get a message from someone saying, uh, you know, I was feeling really low and your music helped me out. You don't get that message and think, oh, I wish more people messaged me saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one is enough. <laughs> Whereas when it's money, yeah, you get that like egoic feeling within you. Where you're like, you get the fever, my boy. Just a little bit more, please. You get the gold fever. That, that's interesting. You keep mentioning metrics because I read. Yeah, I heard you mention it on the last podcast. I, yeah, I think it's so important. It ties in with values or just generally exactly. framing everything differently. But yeah. metric, I read in The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, where mm. it talked about... You still don't want to swear. Not, give, not giving a fudge. Not, not giving, giving a, a fudge. <laughs> I said it, but I trailed off. Yeah. I lost confidence at the end there. You did. But he, he talks about... It's, it's, a, it's a book hated by Girl Scouts everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not giving a fudge. <laughs> Please take our fudge. No, we've read this book and it says no. <laughs> Never take fudge. Never take fudge from little girls. That's when you got. Go- that's when your glasses are smudged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that and that talked about. There was an example from the music industry. I think it was a drummer from Metallica or Lars, a, a guitarist let was. was kicked out or left oh. and he was still successful with Megadeth or something I think right. I'm paraphrasing all of this. Just adding so not very confident <laughs> but totally real person <laughs> <laughs> this is I guess this is uh, I don't know it might I be guess, wrong I guess he was me all along I take off my, yeah. my uh, mask but he talks about you know he measured everything against the band he was previously in mm. and compared to that it was wasn't as as successful hadn't hadn't made enough money and on the other, the flip side of that if you don't have those expectations yourself and you're not measuring yourself against some like incredible metric yeah. where you look at say like all the other fitness influencers or all the other podcasters you're looking at them like I'm not not as good as them or I could be doing so much better whereas like we were saying earlier just creating your own thing and not and taking inspiration rather than mm. rather than judgment i think judgment mm. of yourself but yeah get a good vibe rather than a bad vibe from it you can you take exactly what you want really exactly it's one of my favorite quotes is that success is subjective and so uh, based on that supposition if we can all just define what our success is to us why not just make it something super easy? Mm. <laughs> happy. And I think just to be a, happy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, which is, you know, somewhat a monotonal response to someone saying I'm clinically depressed or whatever. But oh well, yeah. Even even so, you know, I got out of bed this morning. Uh, you know, that's that's success. success. That's success. To yeah. Me. I Rory finally tidied his room. Oh. But, yeah, not yet. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Soon to be successful. Soon. I'm enjoying Squalor for now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I preface anyone coming in, I'm like, oh, welcome to Squalor, welcome to the, the dungeon. It's a great word. <laughs> just so they can't say it. It just feels like something that Iago from Aladdin would say, like, Squalor! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically who I am right yeah. now, just <laughs> flapping around, faffing around in there, doing a bit of this, doing a bit of that. Yeah. This goes there, this goes there. So I've tried helping you. Well, I've I've made some changes. Are you Abu? <laughs> <laughs> You're the Abu. Yeah. You're my Abu. Yeah. That's a beautiful. But that's a beautiful symbiosis. You, I think I have this thing in my head, where I used to always have to fully tidy. I don't know if it's procrastination, right. but I have to fully tidy my room before I start any other work or, or before I do another some kind task. Of OCD. You've always been very particular. Yeah, but right now I guess the squalor is kind of good because I've been working regardless mm-hmm. of the mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've learned to coexist. Yeah. With, with, with SQ. Yeah, I think it's kind of <laughs> maybe it's good. Squire. It's good stoic training for me. Yeah. You call everything stoic training. Well, it is. Oh, it have really you been is. on Marcus Aurelius at all? Oh yeah, I've got the Daily Stoic. Oh, okay. So it gives you a quote every day of the year. Sweet. And I, I don't think I picked it up for like 
seven days or so because it's like under something. I thought about this this morning. <laughs> you just you mentioned my cajon earlier. Yeah, that's there. The Stoke book's there, another book's on top, and my bin is on top because Mary kept going in my bin. Oh, so it's yeah. trapped. I can't use any of these things except the bin because <laughs> it's on top. <laughs> but uh, again, that is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. That sounds like the most stoic existence of all. It really is. <laughs> I want for nothing, good sir. Oh, wow. Just your love. How stoic of you. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, the Daily Stoic is also the geezer's newspaper. <laughs> and none of them read it. Wake up, yeah. They all <laughs> have it. They're the ultimate stoics because they, they look at it and go, nah. <laughs> none of that. <laughs> yeah. Already know it. I think I've seen all of it actually already. They have it even further away than yeah. I do. They have it under many different things. And There's like an apprentice. Skip. You must ignore the mainstream media, my boy. <laughs> Ignore everything. Yeah. You know it already. <laughs> like Socratic method. Yeah. <laughs> but or that, you know nothing already, so there's no point learning. Oh uh, yeah, well I want for nothing. I think yeah, there I, we are. there's so much more to know. Well then you've you've met your own success standard, haven't you? Exactly. My success is that learning is the most important part. Mm. And that's actually a quote I made up one one week in the pod. Is that, is the that knowledge cool? that there's more to learn should give you will to live. I just completely made it up. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't find it anywhere. Marcus Roralius. <laughs> We've looked everywhere. I think I mixed together a couple of things and gave up the old Rory oh, yeah, mixy mixy pot. Sprinkled yeah. some. Add of, just know. a little bit of plagiarism on top. <laughs> add some add some Viva Life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sh- I forgot to Use say. Use code. Yeah, the code is HHT10. Follow our affiliate link in mm. the bios. Help us out. Great stuff. I'll get you some stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I'll go through the code. I'll go through the designated <laughs> corridors. I'll get through that code. Do yeah. as I say. Go down in my box. <laughs> after after the geezers on the astral plane, it will be quite nice to feel I've conventionally been accepted. Yeah, yeah. We'll let you in. We'll yeah. let you in. You'll let me in. Yeah, the, the, Thanks, the men on the door are... I mean, there's no one there. Right. We're open. Well, that, sounds lack, that sounds like a very it's lack, lackadaisical it's approach to it, yeah. <laughs> And, but yeah, it is great stuff. High quality stuff. Mm-hmm. and you're looking well for it. Oh, well, thank you very much. Nice. You look nice very handsome eyes. yourself. Mm, I'll look better with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Pokemon evolution. I'm going to look like Andy Before, Sandberg. after yeah. Andy Sandberg. I don't know. I don't know why I went for him. <laughs> that's your metric. Yeah, that's you just set your metric. <laughs> oh, God. Everything. No. Am I a day closer to Andy? That's yeah. your mirror. <laughs> you have your mirror and you have Andy. Yeah, yeah. We watched a good film with Andy Sandberg. Oh, yeah. that was brilliant. Palm Springs. Oh, I've have seen it advertised. I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, watch it. It's a it's good a time. It's a bit of a trip. That we one. enjoyed okay, it. We enjoyed it an awful Groundhog lot. Groundhog Day. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But like, just more fun. I started watching Groundhog Day. Mm. I, yeah. I didn't give it enough attention back in the day when I was just like mm, boring stop <laughs> stopped it <laughs> it's not as boring as boring film but it's getting there oh that, that film yeah what's boring film uh, we'll tell you later uh, okay. we don't yeah. want anyone on the podcast yeah. to know the film we're talking about because yeah, yeah. I, I remember sitting there and just like, the it's, director it's pretty, of the film sat there like oh man <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice yeah. it's a nice film okay it's nice but it's, it's not soul is it no, no. Oh, no. we love soul and that sort of brings the mainstream brings flow states in the mainstream, doesn't yeah, it? Really, it's for sure. I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was that was a beautiful film. I think there's ever more a demographic and uh, a need for that amongst a more industrialized society. There's always going to be that undercurrent of people that, even if they don't know any of the terminology or understand the processes, that are subconsciously yearning for more eastern approaches to spirituality as mm. a result and it gives such a visual yeah. representation exactly exactly palatable yeah mm-hmm. it's all yum yum yeah, well it's made for kids exactly it? so, um, what a what a wonderful film more like that please and i'll show my kids those ones yeah. <laughs> those yeah. films yeah just because it is so it's a nice way to enter into it and it mm-hmm. deals with mortality at the same time and mm. then not needing to go back into life that's what being I, fulfilled enough in that's what i liked about inside out that was a good one. I haven't seen that. I haven't yet. seen it either. I okay, thought, I thought it was porn. You... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, that can that can go if we want. No, we're keeping that in. Sweet. Um, stays. No, it's, they all it's stay. stay. It is. It is, is a beautiful, yes. a beautiful film. It touches on depression 
and I think that's why I like it the most. It's, so it's about um, emotions. It's about emotions yes. and yeah. you know, toxic positivity, which is a massive problem I mm. find because some people are like don't be sad, be this. It's I like remember, what you just said as well. Yeah. Well, how do you measure your success if you're clinically depressed? Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was 17, I got diagnosed with depression, and I remember mm. telling a friend and them going. But you shouldn't be depressed because all these things and X, Y, and Z. Not, well, there you go. He's like, yeah, you've kind of just glossed over. Yeah, <laughs> you're not actually addressing you just this laid problem. Down so many things that it's not even just trying to defer and. I must say, I didn't understand deflect. when you were going through your, and I was. I guess I was. I'm 18 months younger than you mm. all the time. It's All always been like that since we were born. <laughs> yeah, since you were born. Since I was born. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But it's wonderful of you to have that recognition to and it feels like your relationship having because I've, I've known you for what maybe a year and a half properly mm. i've known meg for far longer having met her through julian the wonderful musical maestro of this show but um, big up jules it feels like having you know been around you guys it feels like your relationship is as strong as it ever has been it, it actually is and mm. um it's only got stronger as of recently obviously spending more time together helps but it's always been an easy relationship mm. we've always I don't know how to we're describe very it. similar personalities very similar personalities we just mm. bounce off each other well but are very different in certain ways yeah mm. yeah. I remember when we, you were going through if you don't mind me saying the uh, disassociation mm. phase if you don't mind me saying no? I didn't understand it I remember you described it to me I was like I don't get it and it sort of annoyed me I, was like, <laughs> I don't off, get it makes off camera going yeah that's totally cool makes <laughs> <laughs> like this Oh. <laughs> no, she's pointing at me yeah. she's going well <laughs> I think because disassociation is such a strange concept mm. that if unless you're suffering from it you don't know how to exp you don't even know, understand mm. how can you not feel like you're experiencing things because yeah. it is high anxiety there's people who suffer from really strong anxiety it's a coping mechanism in order to go oh the brain's saying you're too stressed you're too scared what I'm going to do is I'm just going to detach that a little bit bring you away from it and then that way you can go through life you're not going to be so scared yeah who needs ketamine the, the irony <laughs> of people not being able to associate with associate with disassociation <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't see myself yeah. with disassociation yeah it's like who needs who needs ketamine Sounds at all like just, got just a little... be really really anxious <laughs> yeah just get really anxious yeah it takes years but it's more fulfilling at the end of the day <laughs> just kidding don't do it no, I don't like, do totally it. can't associate with this oh my god is it contagious <laughs> <laughs> I um but yeah I, I definitely when I was less mature or less aware because we were young I mean I, I really struggled to wrap my head around it only when I got older in retrospect. I find that a lot in retrospect. I mm. realised so much and I go to people and I apologise. Even some yes. big events recently, I'll go back and I'll mm. send a message just to... I guess it's for me more than the other person. Yeah. But well, that's about growing up. If it comes across authentic, maybe it's received better. But Exactly. And yeah. it's better to... As you say, it's slightly autonomous in its design, but... There, there can only ever be mental benefit from feeling like you have you can finally close a chapter on like a previously negative or mm. um you know damaging or pernicious kind of uh character trait that you've since worked on it's almost like the final rite of passage is admitting to someone that it did exist and that it now doesn't i feel like or at least that it's still now being addressed and worked on like I brought it to light almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'd always rather, if I have that desire, I'd always rather get it out rather than ruminating too much on the situation. Yeah. And there's still some things that I haven't because maybe it's better left, but... You can, no one's ever going to be perfect. No. No. The perfect is the enemy of the good. Always come back to that one. Oh, that's a good one. Is that? <laughs> is that I don't know. I think that's free. As well? No, no, no. I think oh, that's okay. just a free agent sure, got you. it just arrived one day. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm sure someone it there's, must there's some amazing philosopher called Anon somewhere that's just been completely screwed he's over he's been working hard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's never getting the credit he deserves Mr. Amoose yeah <laughs> Anonymous okay yeah, yeah maybe I, I've no, mixed I it up it's Amoose yeah. and it is a oh god yeah really big bloody hell huge I, just a brain like antlers he's got like six <laughs> antlers you know, I can't. I can't wrap I, my head around. I can't it. wrap my head around how big mooses are. Oh. 
I've seen pictures of them next chocolate. to cars. <laughs> I've seen yeah. pictures of them next to cars. I still can't quite I'm fascinating grab it. and fascinated and really do. They what's, give me the heebie-jeebies in a the good biggest? way. Is they can swim. Elk no, the moose is the biggest. Moose. They're huge. It goes right. deer, elk, moose. Where, caribou. Is that like a subspecies? Caribou is a sort of antelope. Don't look at me. I don't know. <laughs> look at you. Pull it up, Jamie. Jamie, <laughs> yeah. come on. Oh, no, don't Jamie. Seeing as, yeah. seeing as we're talking about animals, oh, sure. you know. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, you can put all of them up, moose. I'm sure yeah. there's no size charts. I shot this like 12 bucks. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so much meat, man. You want some meat? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That kind of exposes that he slightly overhunts, you feel, if he's got like, uh, enough a, meat. A freezer full. Yeah. But I guess if it lasts you forever, it, la- people... it lasts him like, Nine months. He probably just family. really likes to kill, probably. It's and a sport. he's masking it by going, yeah, the yeah, there are reasons. No, he just likes to At the end of the day, it's a sport. Kill. But I think if it's done with respect, mm. mind- mindfulness, and you know, in Avatar, when they yes. take the life of a creature, they well. say a prayer. You, everything comes back to Avatar. I know. I could relate <laughs> anything to Avatar. <laughs> I'd prefer that to, you know, the, the degree of separation of just using your currency, placing mm-hmm. your vote, and getting the meat in the packet where it's naked. It is braver yeah. to kill the animal yourself. It is braver and and it's it'll be healthier at the end of the yeah. day as well. Wild game or wild meat, depending on... Surely it'll be fairer, though, if there were no guns. Yeah. If, if Surely it's more abiding by the kind of uh, primal laws of the ecosystem if, you know... Sure no, no, not even a bow. Just oh, bare hands. I would say, like... A bow? Old tools, yeah. Old tools. <laughs> Sharp rock. But you can only Spear. you can only hunt what you can kill with your own anatomical mm. assets. All right, yeah. I see where I like you're coming that. from. Yeah. I see I like where you're that. coming from. Well, you can use your limbs. Let's write that down. We'll push that through. <laughs> I mean, push we, that to we could, yeah, yeah, sure, That sure. thought experiment that you got pitched on Hinge, wasn't it? Oh. Uh, okay. You don't have no, to no, say it was your actually on Bumble. It was on Bumble. Fumble. The lady will message you first, the kind yes, lady. Right. She okay. said, if you have to fight an animal for money. Okay. With your bare hands. The, yeah, with your bare hands. In their environment. Yeah, in their environment. And it, the bigger the animal. The more money. The more money you receive, but you have to win. What would you choose? <laughs> and bear in mind, this is all Thought hearsay. experiment. And this is hearsay and speculation. <laughs> so what, don't do come you get at me. To, like, um, do you get to choose the terms of the fight? Like the setting? It's just... On, in their environment, I guess. If you find oh, a shark, in it's in the water. Ah, shit. So I wouldn't choose shark. No. So my thought process was a giant turtle. Oh, like the biggest oh. one. And I would just stamp on its head. Oh, I'd jump. Oh. What, I'd like get on. in the Galapagos? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't get a reply. I was like, yeah. that sounds so horrible to say, love. But that's what I choose. <laughs> if I'm playing the game, I'd get a lot of money and it'd be kind of easy. You would never do it. Never do it. I would it. never do it. But that's what you would do. I was going to say blue whale and just go the whole hog. How, How would, would you, you do kill that? a blue whale? Well, go, oh, you, no, you just get well, in his thinking, hole. I was thinking if it's like a... You, Block like, his hole. If it's like a, you know, like, universal setting for, like, every fight, like it's in an arena, I could just wait it out. <laughs> I just sit You're there, just like, there really, you got like, a sandwich. pouring a tea, like, go on. You get in his hole to speed things up. Yeah, you sort of, like, make yourself maybe big. Maybe do some breath exercises <laughs> with it. So it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I just went for ease. Like, what would be so easy? Giant squid, maybe. Oh, no, 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 because no, no, they've got no. beaks, actually. They've There's got no beaks. Way. And, like, the suckers on their tentacles can, like, really. They're barbed, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Barbed. No, I take that back because I watched, you know, the scary YouTuber we like. Yeah. Mr. Bolin? Mr. Bolin? Anyway, he does amazing videos. You should watch him. He talks about cave diving and all sorts I knew we were coming back to this. I'm glad we are. But he also talks about squids, and squids are bad. But cave diving... Squids are bad. Yeah, Meg Meg's just just (laughs) purely saying this for the cave diving. Not very vegan of you. (laughs) Squids Um, bad, Underwater cave diving. Would you ever do it? As in you're jumping through a hole on land and then you're going down through, like, caverns? No, so you've got full scuba kit most of the time, yeah. unless you're free diving, holding, your, holding it in one breath. But you've got a tank, so I you've don't got know, kit, you've got a torch. I don't know why, but the rationality for me was, if it starts, if I start in, say, the ocean and I find a cave, mm. going in there, totally cool, I'd be kosher with that. But I know there are ones where it's, like, big sinkholes or, like, wells in Mexico, etc. Um, where it's, you know, it's just a big, like, hole with water that you jump down and like it goes super deep. Hole. 
That is bookie for me for yeah, some reason. Yeah, that gives yeah. me the bad hoobie We haven't met anyone who wants to do it, but I just find keep it fascinating. Everyone. Again, in an ocean where it You'd starts and there's like a huge rock face and caves. And it's go. big and open. You yeah, go yeah, and have a little, so you get, you'd have a look-see just and then you, little, you get back out. I think in that co- context as well, they're not caves, it's called a grotto, which is just quite Sounds fun. Sounds cute. That yeah. is a fun little, What's you want to go down the grotto, do you? <laughs> Santa! <laughs> You're a man of the grotto, not a man of the cave diving underwater. Yeah. 25, but I still want the laugh. <laughs> I'm big. <laughs> I've been a good boy. <laughs> I'm healthy, at least. I'm very fertile, Santa. <laughs> Santa, I've been down here two weeks. My oxygen's running. <laughs> um, oh, no. Santa, I wish for oxygen for you. <laughs> oh, no. He gives it, like, yeah. mother burning it to you. The James Franco <laughs> sequel you didn't know you needed. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so I know what you're saying there with it being scarier when it's a yeah. deep hole. So yeah. there's this one in South Africa. It was on a... Reservation? Reservation. It was on a ranch. Not a ranch. Reservation? Yeah, a park. Sweet baby ranch. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Boy was there. Yeah, okay. It was on a park, um, and it's like a nature res- reserve, and there was just like a sinkhole in the middle of it yeah. with caves, and a team went down to like 300 metres. We won't go into it too much. It's kind of dark, but... Oh, it's really kid, dark. Kid stuck there. Yeah, a kid got stuck there and some bloke... Well, he, bloke, was, he was an adult. He was an adult, but yeah. a young adult. It's one of the things... I think just caverning or speleology, going into mines and really, like, tightly mm. caverned spaces is, like... That just shakes me up, man. Yeah. 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 I don't know, I have claustrophobia. I don't have problems being, like, crowded lifts, whatever. You know, I like going to gigs and mm. there's almost some, like... I almost like theorise, is there anything to be said for like, you know, the osmosis of energy and you you actually get some sort of like third party like uh, energy or vivacity just from being around lots of people. 100% you receive yeah. it. And that's what's pretty difficult with, you find it a difficult time with the lockdown. Quantum charging. Yeah. I, I At some point you're gathering energy and saving some energy to be introspective and such. But mm. at some point you... And you don't even know when it happens. For me, anyway, I didn't even realise when it happened, but you you definitely feel like you're missing out on the energy you yeah. receive from others. Yeah, yeah. 100%. How was your experience with the lockdown? Was it tough? It, it, was, it was different. It was weird. Um, I'm very lucky because I'm living at home with my family mm. and they've got an eight-acre gaff with... Um, they run a bed and breakfast now. They've transition from restaurant to um b&b and it's this lovely like old buildings called old church farm oh, it's beautiful um so i've had a lot of space you know i i there was you know i actually struggled a lot just with the like isolated feeling of guilt at first at seeing friends that i knew were struggling and being small in closed flats and <laughs> Me i and had this lovely yeah megan julian at first. <laughs> those poor old bastards yeah, eh? yeah really <laughs> as soon as you say bye to them oh bloody hell can't, really do feel for them. can't relate <laughs> <laughs> no but um i did have that and I, I felt super sorry and i was often trying to reach out and say hey, if you want to come visit we can mm. socially distance but you know just come get some fresh air I'm on the outskirts of Bristol as well, so we have beautiful, like, starry skies at night. Mm. The air feels quite clean. Um, but, yeah, just, the, the, again, as you say, eventually the social dynamic of being around your parents uh, the whole time. Um, my sister was there, but also kind of not there. She had a boyfriend who she frequently visited. Mm. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it could be amounted to as much like a generational thing and while I was around people you know me and my parents differ quite a lot politically and ethically on different matters there are conversations I can't have with them and so it almost felt like um you know I love them to bits but it's still uh you know a relationship with parameters Mm. which isn't so much the case with people that I consider my better friends um, of my own age where you're more free you're yeah, like-minded yeah, exactly. there's nothing there's still uh, boundaries there but because there's the relativism of you've uh, undergone the same or similar experiences mm. and you've been born in a similar time mm. whereas anything that your parents have that is relatable is often 
immuted through, you know, a lens of hearing it on the news or picking it up from a third party where they've not fully understood the, you know, the, the, the title entirety of, of the, the article. Yeah, yeah, just been <laughs> clickbaited by... Or, or Uber facts on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we got mum off those. Yeah, oh, thank God. Um, I understand where you're coming from there. There's certain things that you try and broach or you try and speak your own, just just to try and have a conversation with it and it's not well received or uh, you know this is all coming from a place of privilege and of course there are people that don't have the the luxury of a family or a home or that kind of um mm. uh, you know but, escape but like you said uh, success is relative but exactly. also everything's relative woe is relative yeah it is all relative because you you still feel you can't disregard your own feelings or stifle them no. just because there's I suppose it's more just wanting to uh, enunciate that the presence of those feelings doesn't then come with a lack of empathy. Yeah, there's a lot of empathy. Yeah. I know, I do feel that because that's what we kept talking about a lot. That's from where I burnt a hole in my... Oh, fun. Yeah, I got an old stick from the fire from in there. From the fire. Uh, that's not a marshmallow. <laughs> Was it on the hammer? Sweet <laughs> <laughs> baby rage burn. Yeah. So, yeah, to, like, conclude... Again, it was it was lovely. It was fine, mm. um, but particularly the social ramifications had it feeling at times like a bit of a a gilded cage, like um, you know, as a a bird that was trapped. Yeah, yeah. Let me sing, mum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know um, and I, I had the luxury of coming here a few times over lockdown too, and we tried to be as. I did. You I, helped in construction. I, you helped me take down a chicken coop. I did, yeah. Well, that was a good one. That was when you were fasting. You decooped that was while it. Rory was on his water fast. Yeah. And I tried to be as... You were, you were such a good assistant. Oh, you had great you, energy that day, you, I remember. You came in, you lifted me up. I was just out there on my own early morning. Like I had to take breaks <laughs> every now and then to breathe. Mm. And then you just came and you appeared. I was like, oh, everything's good. <laughs> and you were running around. Like, it was so fun. Oh, yeah, so he fun. Was, you were driving I was the driving tractor, the tractor. <laughs> So weak. <laughs> I wanted to try and have like canine energy, just like you were running along. You were lifting me up. You were lifting me up. That's, a, that's exactly what we're saying. When you're around people and there's a the high energy and vibrations meet, you mm. do receive. You're receptive to everything. That's why you, sometimes feelings are so tangible in the air, and you feel there's yeah, a prang exactly, or there's something yeah. not quite right. But I, I do. I felt the same. I felt that empathy for people. I wonder in, if there's science to be done with, uh, you know, regard to like pheromones, maybe or hormones that you're giving off. Mm. Is how much you could actually uh, define and like trace the spread of energy within a social dynamic, for mm. example. That'd be fascinating, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. There's everyone's vibrating at a certain frequency. Be hard to have a control variable. Well, I, I don't know how you do it. I feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know how you do it. Like, how would you? I mean, the technology would advance to a point where you can detect these. Yeah. Instantly, but yeah, there's a fascinating thought that there's. We're we're indirectly, affecting, subconsciously affecting, affecting everyone the around chemicals us. Chemicals that other people's brains make. <laughs> Mental. Not um, even doing it on purpose. No. No. <laughs> Just. Just with our scent, you can make someone feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, it was funny. One. It was funny earlier. Uh, uh, the Megan, Rory's dad, the wonderful Robert, um, said, oh, you smell nice. Uh, what is it? And I said, oh, it's that old um, pesky Sauvage by Dior. And you said, said oh, Johnny Depp, pesky yeah, old John. That, that, that Depp's to <laughs> repping the Deppin'. But um, he, um, he said, oh, I've got the exact same one. How funny, it smells different on you. And, you know, whether that's a tool of any relevance, you know, funny to just consider, I suppose, like sensory subjectivity too. Mm. And, um, you know, none of us see or hear or smell the same things. I, I tried talking to June about this. He doesn't understand what I mean. But, uh, okay. Was it you? No, no. I, My I, thing I, with colour. <laughs> um, so yes. blue. Yeah. Sky is blue. I see it as blue. But you might see it as green and call it blue. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. The relativism of you sensory no perception. Yeah, it could reflect differently in our eyes. And All we of see our retinas are going to decipher the light spectrum, yeah, but however incrementally, a different way. Yeah, it might be negligible, it might be wide between yeah. someone who's yeah. hard of seeing. Yeah, because you're, you're or... colourblind. Who so... said that? <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Is it the, the grey mask over was there? Was it the black guy? Is that Meg? How long have you been here? <laughs> <laughs> You've just been grey for uh, this long. No, I totally agree with that. We're all, if you think about it, we're all like a fleshy machine. Yeah. Everyone's built slightly different. Someone might be more efficient. Someone might, their visual acuity might be just miles ahead. Someone well, uh, might efficient be... feels, a, you know, kind of ableist because... You know, someone's, oh, yes. fair enough. No, someone, someone's like not being. I suppose if if someone's a, you know, a painter, mm. then perhaps their their experience is pipping. That's Julian taking the keys because he's going to work. Now. Oh, pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I was about to get up. And... We're working here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm yeah. mad. Wow, get the geezers on him. <laughs> Pull him up. We've got a job for you. Yeah, we've got a rogue. We pay you well. Right. Took the bloody keys and all. <laughs> He's on the move, all right. <laughs> yeah. You can't miss him. Bright green. Efficiency is subjective in and unto itself because... Retract someone... that, that yeah. one. Relative. No, I, you know, I'm not mm. shooting you down or anything. Mm. It's just, yeah, again, like, the efficiency is m markable only by how, you know, someone lives their life. And it, that, it what, what the metric is. Yeah, they don't know. They don't think, oh, I wish I could see this colour because mm. they're just seeing what they see. It's just perception. Yeah. But yeah, we, we're all so different that it, it's bound to be, bound to be different from everyone's own point of view. Mm. I find that really interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure we all we all perceive set all the senses differently. Obviously, with you, you you process sound in a different way. You can't smell. Way. No, I still don't have a sense of smell. Was that you never did? Uh, no, I think I did when I was younger. But um, there was a time in my life where I think I succumbed to toxic masculinity, perhaps more than I should, and I was prone to a bit of fighting. Portsmouth wasn't the, you know, the most congenial city. There are often parts of it where. Um, you know, the streets were rife with mm. ragamuffins. And mm. then you'd think I was like an instant get into the geezer club, but no. Um, <laughs> and so I've had my nose broken. They saw your CV, um, they said, if, uh, yeah. a good pass of fighting, but yeah. he's been uh, dormant for a few years. Yeah, you're at the game, mate, we can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had my nose broken a few times and mm. um, I broke my jaw a few years ago too. So I think there's just generally without it being... You know, without having a load of tests run, I think generally the the uh, you know the uh, hypothesis is that it's just to do with blunt trauma in some way. That's interesting because that might even you know they talk about people who are blind being able to e uh, echolocate. Yeah, and their yeah. Their, their other senses are heightened. heightened. Mm. Perhaps that played a role in or played a small role in how you perceive yeah. sound. My, my my hearing was that good that my nose was like, fuck it, I give up. <laughs> we'll take the rest I'm, of the I'm life not, I'm off. not even needed around here. I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah, I see you're, you've got a handle, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I often think about that. I think, mm. you know, I feel, you know, hearing is intrinsically very important to what I try and do creatively. Mm. So I'm, yeah, I just feel, you know, I think the statistic is close to one in 10,000 people have perfect pitch. And obviously that was, you know, a non-related factor and that I still could smell when I was born with that tune. <laughs> yeah. but, um, it's unrelated. Yeah. The causation is... But, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, become more acute since... Mm. How many people, I would like to do the stat, how many people with a broken nose have per perfect pitch? Yeah. <laughs> I have no sense. <laughs> how many babies with broken noses? <laughs> they, they might do tests on that. Yeah. Get the yeah. baby... Bonk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that's sure what, I broke my nose. That's part of the geezer initiation. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the front lines. You're yeah. punching babies in the nose, I'm afraid. All right, uh, all right Marjorie, congrats. Uh, <laughs> don't mind if I just... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, that, that's... Sorry, do you want a jab or a hook? <laughs> <laughs> just joking, you can't say. To the left or to the right, sir. So. <laughs> well, that's, uh, this has all been very bloody enlightening oh, and very so interesting. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for your energy and your chemicals. Oh, you too. I've been letting off everything Farts. for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be in the room if that was oh, the yeah. case, Well, mate. I can't smell them, so oh, you're safe. you can't yeah. smell. Well, out of respect, I haven't been farting. Oh, understood. Yeah. He just winks to Meg. <laughs> <laughs> Meg's over there with a gas yeah. mask on. You can't see her. <laughs>
I saw the beans. I saw the legumes, man. <laughs> a lot of up over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much. It's I, been... I'm sorry if there's been any uh, Belgian waffles. Oh, um, not at all. What's not it all, all about? This is what we're for here. We're, we're for waffling. Waff- we're, for, <laughs> yeah. we're for riffing on... Waffle bats. We love a riff. Yeah. Whatever we like, really. So, no, I really do appreciate it. It's been very interesting. It's been fun. And uh, Do you want to plug oh, your stuff? Um, yeah, Student Blues EP is out now on all platforms. I'll put a picture. Okay, yeah. Chuck. They can all be linked in the okay. bio as well. Maybe. But, um, I don't have to be. I, you know, I'm just here yeah. for the fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, um, I'm a long-time, long-timer fan. I say long-time. <laughs> since I've been here since day one, since March. <laughs> yeah, since March. I'm a fan of the podcast, and um, it's fun to uh, be offered a new lease and perspective mm. on the uh, machinations and the processes. Mm. Yeah. No, it's been a lot of fun. I love bringing new people in. It's always so different, and mm. you do get a different, completely unique product every time. Yeah. Flow state, baby. <laughs> After yeah, you've done it, you have a pod buzz. Yeah. Shout out Florence Sanders. <laughs> Flow Shout state. Out <laughs> we now That's her nickname. Yeah. From now. Um, Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> she's in a flow state, Jesus. <laughs> That's what she's like in the kitchen, baby. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we'll record at the barn as per usual. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. Thank you. Producer extraordinaire. Editor extraordinaire. And that ain't subjective either. No, 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 no. This is very much objective. Objective success. Oh, we mentioned Julian Kirk. Shout out to him mm-hmm. for the musicals and the uh, and such. Yeah, I didn't even want those keys. So, like, thanks for taking those two. <laughs> we'll get him eventually. Yeah, we'll get him. And of course, to Harriet for the incredible artwork. Oh, yeah. And I must oh, yeah. say, obviously, we're in partnership with Viva Life. So thank you to them. Thank you to them and. Use the link in the bio and use the code HHT10 at checkout. Treat yourself. Do something for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's HHT10. <laughs> Thank you very much. And also, <laughs> not done yet, our Just Giving pages are all in the bio as well. Oh, so sweet. Please Do give that. if you can. It's for a good cause. Donate, please. Thank you. I think that's about it. Any last words, sir? Be kind to each other. Um, don't fight the rain. It will fall and then it will dissipate. And um, yeah, don't worry about climbing mountains and doubting you'll ever find the peak. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that soon enough, everyone. Love it. <laughs> I love you all very much. Oh, I love you, mate. Oh, we are both hot boys. We're all hot. We're about to get hotter. <laughs>